Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, a Zero Cafe session here, here at uh, Digital Elite Day. Um, I'm joined by uh, Abby and Craig. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. And the topic we're talking about is uh, self-development for zeros um, and how to become a better zero. And hopefully, we assume you want to be better at, <laughs> at what you do anyway, because that's kind of a trade of zeros that we want to make things better. So uh, why not? Uh, why stop at the websites uh, or, or the customer journeys? And, and uh, let's continue this uh, and try to improve ourselves as well. Uh, we have over 100 people joining this session. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can use the chat here in Zoom to ask them. And I'll, I'll see if I can uh, put them in front of uh, Craig or uh, Abby. Um, so the first question uh, for, for Craig and Abby, uh, we all have different backgrounds and, and skill sets. Uh, everyone is zero has, because it's going to be really hard to find someone that has uh, studied zero uh, in, in college. Um, so there's no, no single zero professional uh, role. Uh, there's not, not a single de uh, defined role there. Um, so what overall advice can we give our listeners uh, to get started with zero and improving their skills? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Let's hand it over to Mr. Sullivan, I think. Well, you can give that one to me. Um, <laughs> we, we, we did chat about this, Abby and I, and there's there's both broadening and deepening your skill set. Um, so it's it, it's a fairly common trait uh, to say that really good CRO people are what we call T-shaped in that they have some tremendously fantastic specialisms, stuff that they're really superb at, but they're also good or very good at a lot of other things. And it's this combination of disciplines and perspectives onto designing and improving and experimenting with products that actually uh, fills in a, a lot of the sort of gaps in your knowledge. So, in order to um, to do this work really well, I think it's it's fairly well accepted that you need skills in multiple disciplines. You don't necessarily need to be an expert in all those disciplines. So, there are many different types of CRO people who specialize in different areas. But broadly, it's about getting wider knowledge, but also deepening that knowledge in the areas that you really enjoy. And people end up specializing not in what they think is the best, but they tend to specialize in things that A, they're good at, B, um, they're quite hard to master. So there's a challenge involved there. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, and, 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 and basically, you know, so there are some incentives there for them to then kind of study that thing more deeply. And the third thing is that they actually enjoy doing it. You know, it's no fun doing a CRO discipline or specialism if you don't actually enjoy that area of work. So you have to experience a lot of areas of work to learn, but you also have to experience lots of areas of work to find out what you're really passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't have the passion for the topic, then you're not going to do your best at it. And, um, I think finding one thing or a couple of things that you really enjoy doing, then that kind of shines through in the work that you're outputting as well. Um, so it's really important to find those things that float your boat, so to speak, I think. Yeah. So, so hopefully you already have this passion. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be uh, hard. There's, there's no course to develop the passion, uh, I think. Uh, but when we when we uh, prepped for this, uh, this session, uh, we did come 
came up with a list of, of at least some inherent traits that we we think people should have uh, um, and, and we see uh, see uh, in most hero people and these are these inherent traits are things like uh, bravery passion uh, creativity uh, a determination um, uh, humility curiosity and and to be sociable um, and this is all in addition to the soft and hard skills that you, that you probably can learn. Um, and I think the most important ones that we uh, defined in terms of hard skills were experiment, design, analytics, psychology, and uh, qualitative, uh, qualitative research. Uh, in addition, of course, there are a lot of skills, like like you just said, Craig. There's there's a T shape here, so there can be a lot of skills that you combine here, like copywriting, uh, data visualization. Um, most of us have some have some basic understanding of HTML, CSS, how browsers work, uh, and then there's the soft skills of communication, presentation, storytelling, uh, being user centered, caring about what what users uh, think and how they experience uh, things. Um, you and, see, the, the, and there are all these um, uh, people think there's maybe a prescribed pathway, but the, the, there isn't. And, no. you know, some of the best CRO people I've met have cross-trained from other disciplines. They've been great at UX and they've got into experiments or they've been a really good uh, visual designer, but they got into analytics, right? But the, the things that these multiple disciplines do is now you can start to understand why people can or can't use products, but then you can actually begin to measure the the impact of that knowledge. So it's this capability to triangulate problems by having a, you know, a wide uh, range of skill sets allows you to use more toolkits and inspect the problem from different angles. And it's those angles and that perspective that make you better than somebody who's just a single discipline sort of practitioner. Yeah. And um, so, so can you tell us a bit, uh, uh, maybe Abby, uh, to start with you, uh, what are the latest skills that you tried to develop? You want me to be brutally honest? <laughs> the latest the latest skills I developed was how to homeschool a nine-year-old during yeah, a pandemic. Have to be zero, yeah. So. <laughs> but actually, I say that jokingly, but in order to teach a nine-year-old, um, you know, six months worth of schoolwork, I had to do a lot of improvement in myself for example I had to figure out how to storytell really well because there's no point in just sitting in front of a nine-year-old and saying well we're going to do this today so I had to sell it into him so that improved my skill set um, I had to learn how to make the most out of a you know, minimal materials, everybody's panic by. So the stuff that I needed to homeschool him, it, it, it wasn't available. So making the most out of, you know, a limited budget or limited resources all yeah. helps to go towards optimizing. And it sounds really odd, but it was probably the worst six months of my entire life. <laughs> I'm very glad he's now back at school. You, so, yeah, that, you but, needed a lot of creativity you need a lot of bravery yeah. determination <laughs> yeah and how to sell into probably the hardest stakeholder you'll ever have to deal with right <laughs> so um this is a, a very strange year i'm sure for a lot of people and i wouldn't have thought i'd be saying well this is what i took away and this is what i've been learning over the past six months but honestly it's it's opened my eyes and the thing that i took away from it is you can improve being a CRO, not necessarily because you're sat down doing all the things that people are telling you to do, but from an outside influence and a situation that you were put in, 
you can always learn to optimize that in some way. And it's having that mindset to be able to flip a situation so that it works for you that I think really adds to making a good CRO. I don't know what you think, Craig. Yeah, but yeah what's, what's the latest skill you developed, uh, Craig? Well, I had to, uh, a couple of things uh, with lockdown again, um, I ended up running a plant project where I had to uh, basically grow and um, deliver uh, or leave for pickup plants for uh, 659 plants to people in the local area who couldn't get them at garden centres during lockdown or they were isolated. So I had to learn how to, you know, uh, forecast exactly how much yield I was going to get out of the plants that I would grow so I would have enough stock to satisfy the demand. So I ended up having to uh, learn all, all about sort of like forecasting and stock planning and sowing stuff at the right time time so I had to learn how to run like a miniature garden center or a nursery and through that work I also uh, got involved with a lot of local businesses in lockdown who had no IT skills at all and suddenly had to set up websites and, and get stuff running on platforms like Shopify so I helped a few of them and, and, and that was completely outside of my comfort zone you know they don't have big budgets and big companies and shiny offices and you're you're kind of working on a shoestring and it has to be ready today so so, yeah, those were uh, another couple of great lockdown skills. Yeah, so so a lot of opportunity in uh, in, in, a, in a global pandemic, right? Um, so we just mentioned a, a big list of, of skills that you need to have, um, or that you could uh, at least uh, de de try to develop. And so then you need to have some sense of okay, where to start, what what to pick, and you need to mo have the motivation and ability to do so. So could you guys give us some some of your favorite picks or, or approaches to learning uh, new subjects and, and how to develop this, this growth mentality? I think it's a realization that we work in such a fluid and dynamic environment that knowledge that you say is current right now, if you were to freeze my knowledge right now, within three months, it'd start to get out of date. Within a year, it would be horrendously out of date. So standing still or having the same pile of knowledge after a period of time just isn't an option. It's changing too much. And, and we must also learn to do things in new ways, to automate things, to use uh, machine learning tools as our friends in solving problems that uh, will be one of the challenges that we have in future um, but I think there must be a realization that you cannot be an expert in all of this and your knowledge can only be augmented as well as the network of people that you know right so mm -hmm. my best piece of knowledge right now is not loads of cool stuff that help conversion it's knowing what I know and what other people know that I don't know right because I can go and ask them so if you ask me a question I know precisely no I have no idea but I know a guy who does and that piece of knowledge is infinitely more valuable than either trying to cram everything into my head which is impossible or become an expert in all those areas so knowing the extent and boundary of your own knowledge is perhaps the wisest piece of knowledge of all um, because then you're not stepping outside that you you know that you 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 can leave your ego at the door and ask for help and say do you know what I have no idea what to do here I'll go and ask so and so and 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 they will have an answer so that's really important the network of friends and compadres and people in CRO that you make will will determine a lot of your success I would say 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. And for me, it's definitely um, networking and meetups that provide the biggest benefit for me because I can't be on social media 24 hours a day or reading the latest podcast. You'd burn out quicker than you can blink, right? So, but by going to meetups and just speaking to other people in the industry, it gives you the opportunity for them to say something like, oh, did you hear about X, Y, and Z? And you're like, oh, no, I didn't hear about that, but I'm going to go and find out about it. So it's just it's kind of like a filter that allows you to learn new techniques and theories that are coming through and what everybody else is doing. Um, so that's a great way of doing it. And also, you know, you can speak to people about what's not gone right for them. You're not just hearing all the glory stories about how wonderfully somebody's done. You're hearing the nuts and bolts about how things didn't go so well and how they fix the problem. And you can be aware of things to look out for yourself. So, for me, you know, so, go ahead. There, uh, there's all the usual things to mention, obviously, like reading, um, books, uh, blogs. There's a lot yeah. of really great stuff on Medium. A lot of the engineering and experimentation teams at very big companies publish blogs on Medium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's on-the-job practice. But, uh, you know, if, if you're already working in this industry, try and work with other CRO people or other companies because yeah. you, you learn, you think, oh, that's quite good. I'll have to put that into my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. It's what the internets are for and other people. It's for stealing all our best ideas, right? But it, it's, it's how you approach this in a meta way. You can look at everything everybody's doing and then try and actually uh, pull out the things that really help you in your specific area of work. There isn't one answer. There's only you, a problem, and a set of tools to inspect that problem. That's all there always is, right? Yeah. Uh, and every problem is... Uh, unique. But I would also say going and speaking and getting over your fear. I'm always terrified of speaking like five minutes before. I'm just like a wreck. You know, I'm shaking, right? But it's fine. I get up and everybody thinks, oh, that looks dead easy and he's calm and everything. No, I'm not, right? It's quite nerve wracking. And for those of you who haven't considered because you think it's nerve wracking, well, everybody else is, has nerves. So you're no different. So take the plunge, Get uh, go to some meetups, you know, create some material, watch some other talks, make your own stuff. And then you can kind of practice and go on the circuit because becoming a speaker was one of the best things that I did because uh, when I started giving away my knowledge I got so much back the more I gave away the more people gave me in return and that's a good lesson for all CROs if you hold on to your knowledge tightly well it'll just atrophy and wither right whereas if you give away your knowledge freely then you'll establish a huge network of people who will make your knowledge pool even bigger yeah and, and some people now might ask, okay, but uh, maybe I want to speak, but uh, I don't know how to start or where to go. Uh, Abby, maybe you're a great example in this. Your first public session was at CXL Live. <laughs> um, so how did that happen? Uh, well, <laughs> it was, um, I think somebody called Craig Sullivan may have just suggested I did it. <laughs> just do it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'd never done any public speaking at all, ever. And um, I'll be honest with you, the idea of a trip over to the States sounded like a really cool idea at the time. Um, But I was absolutely petrified. Um, And, you know, CXL Live, massive conference within the industry. And I just said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. But I'd never done any public speaking. I was absolutely I'm not going to say it, but I was very, very nervous. Um, 
But I got over there on the flight and it was all fine. But for the two days running up to my speaking slot, I basically wanted to come home. I was so scared. But what I did get away from that was the support of all the other speakers and the conference organizers who were absolutely amazing, uh, giving me a leg up and a confidence boost. And it's like, yeah, you can do it. It's great. You know, and I did. I got up on that stage and I did my 15 minute talk. And for the entire time, I, I thought my tongue was going to drop out of my head and I didn't know what I was going to say. And it were my, you know, I couldn't speak properly because I didn't have any water. But the talk went really, really well. And I got a few laughs out of it, which is what I wanted to achieve. And I also got to highlight my passion, which is quality assurance and making sure stuff works right before we roll it out and how important that was, along with checking websites yeah. for errors before you even start optimizing them and how much money you can make from that before you begin an A-B testing program. And it's not something that I regret doing now. I was very grateful for the opportunity and that I had somebody pushing me yep. to go and do it, even though it was so far out of my comfort zone, yep. I'd have never contemplated and, doing it before. And you'll, we want to encourage people to go and try and do this. You'll be yeah. surprised if you do a talk, if you get a video, you write to a conference organizer and say, look, I've got this really important thing to say. Uh, here's some details about me. Here's maybe a video of a talk I've done before, even if it's one you've recorded at home. That's fine. You'll be really surprised that they'll be open to sharing your idea. And you won't find out un unless you actually try. And mm -hmm. to get over the nervousness of public speaking, uh, almost every city in every town in, in the world has an organization called Toastmasters or something similar. And these people's job are to teach you how to, you know, do a speech at a wedding or something like that. And honestly, these guys will coach a, a really good talk out of you in a few weeks time. So there's a top tip. If you want to learn how to kind of get over that thing of public speaking, do your first yeah. thing or become even better, go to Toastmasters and, and get them to help you. And my, my, my two top tips would be storytelling. It makes it so much easier when you're doing a presentation. And the second top tip would be don't be afraid to, uh, you know, take the piss out of yourself for want of a better word. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. adding humor into it makes it human, if it that makes helps, any yeah. sense. Yeah, we also, we also got, a, got a comment from Anna-Marie Klaassen uh, telling that Craig pushed her uh, to talk at Super Week, but so but, audience there. But before <laughs> everyone starts contacting uh, Craig for for talks, you can just go to Toastmaster or or go to meetup.com. There's a lot of uh, local meetups uh, on there mm -hmm. on any kinds of topic. Measure Camp had a whole uh, session last time. We had a physical yeah. meetup that was all about on how we could encourage greater diversity in the the speakers that we see at conferences. And that was fascinating. And there's a lot of things that we can all do if we build alliances yeah. to make that better. I, uh, we also got a question from uh, Elisa. She asks on the topic of, uh, of uh, speaking engagements, uh, what if you feel you have nothing new to say in a talk? Mm. I think if you're if, if you're curious and interested and you pique that curiosity by exposing yourself 
to lots of other things that people are saying. I, I go along and watch talks on stuff that's way beyond my skill level. I'm like, and people ask me, why are you watching that stuff on predictive modeling using Markov chains for? I'm like, wow, it's really hard, but like, it makes my stuff feel rubbish, right? Um, and so by exposing yourself to lots and lots of talks and interesting things that people are talking about, believe me, it will give you ideas for your talk. Because at some point when they're talking, you'll think, wait a minute, that isn't right. And then yeah. someone will say to you, well, you have to get up and say it, matey. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's kind of a way of tricking yourself into finding enough material so that you do have something to say. <laughs> that there is always something to talk about. Yeah, and my way of thinking about this is also that, especially when you go to a, a conference where there's multiple tracks, uh, you just announce the topic and then people show up because they want to know more about this topic. Uh, otherwise they wouldn't come. There's a whole coaching camp that runs in the US that my friend Michael Ogard works with. We'll, we'll try and publish the, the, the link to that. For, uh, and they help with coaching a lot of uh, up-and-coming female speakers. There are lots of initiatives like that going on where people are trying to uh, uh, help, uh, you know, increase the amount of interesting stuff that we're seeing. And it's, it's, it's working. It's working already. Long way to go, but getting better. But yeah, please, uh, if you have something to say, or, or you can develop something to say, please say it. The world yeah. wants to hear it. Yeah. Back on the topic of uh, of the skills uh, you need to develop. So there's a lot of skills. We just mentioned a lot of them, a lot of ways of, uh, of uh, um, um, improving yourself. Uh, speaking engagements will be one of them. But say uh, you come in a situation that you really want to know more about a specific skill. Uh, maybe it's not Markov change, but uh, but maybe machine learning or you see something fancy uh, from a fellow zero uh, practitioner and you want to dive in yourself. How do you generally approach uh, learning more about that? Would it be, do you start reading courses, doing courses, doing blogs, or do you start doing a speaker engagement? Where do you? Where would you start? How do, how would you approach um, this? Book, books and courses. CXL has some wonderful stuff, and um, you know, I I have a course on there. Disclaimer, but there's there's a whole range of stuff. Statistics. Every single angle of experimentation is probably covered in the material. So they're a very specialist one. There's also some very good general training sites as well that offer stuff. Um, copy hackers do some free uh, uh, copywriting training on their website, which is really cool. Um, and I highly recommend um, uh, um, Momoko Price's copywriting course on CXL. It's very, very good. And lots of other people think so. Um, but books, yeah, I've ordered myself a whole load of machine learning books and Python stuff recently, and I'm sort of plowing through them. And it's mightily confusing and very hard, but I'm learning some stuff. Uh, I was doing some testing for a site, so I just ordered myself tons and tons of machine learning books, and yeah. they're sort of sitting there in a pile nagging me to read them, right? So I've started reading three of them. It's, it's tough going. It's like, it's like chewing on old dry cards board or something yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but you kind of got to you've got to make time and and force yourself uh, to, to to carve out time in your life for some development because otherwise your skills are going to atrophy you've got to have yeah. a certain percentage set aside abby abby i have a question for you uh from the chat from uh, tim stewart um mm -hmm. of, of course tim being tim it's not a, a single line question but uh um <laughs> 
How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim talks about, okay, people underestimate the non-zero skill part of, of, uh, of, of being a zero. So, Abby, how, how much would you say, how important is that? How much time do you spend developing the non-zero, the non-traditional zero skills? So, we, we spoke about uh, experimentation, design, psychology, analytics, and, and qualitative research. Let's, let's call yeah. that the hard, uh, hard skills. How much should we focus on the soft skills? Um, I think they're equally as important as important as the other skills to be fair to you um the issue that i see is we're selling in a complicated industry to any new business right um some uh client who's never heard of cro before you know you have to be able to sell in the process what the aims are you know it's not just a b testing it's a whole plethora of other elements that we're looking to optimize so for me, having the ability to explain that clearly and how the process is run and what the results are of what we've done and, you know, breaking down silos. So communication to me is actually one of the biggest skill sets um, that you can work on in terms of a soft skill. And just realizing that the people that you're dealing with, are, they are people as well. They have problems, they've got stresses yeah. and the better that you can the better that you can speak to a client just on the same level it's like we're all trying to achieve the same thing so having that awareness that the people that you're dealing with they've got their own problems and pressures and being able to relate on that basic human level to try and get to a point where you're all trying to get to is one of the most important skills that I think as a CRO you can have. Um, nobody's out to prove somebody else is better than the other person or, you know, my test did better than yours and your test was a fail and all this kind of thing. We're all just trying to get to one place, right? So if we can communicate um, together rather than having a competition about everything or trying to prove a point... There's a simple, um, there's a simple philosophical way of thinking about this as well. We expend all this energy and time and data and research trying to understand the visitors to this client's website, right? Why aren't we using our CRO skills to understand the client and their yep. business, right? And this is the mistake. This is the big air gap that the relationship kind of falls into. Common mistakes are where you just deal with one person in the company, oh, but you've never met anyone else uh, or, or the rest of the teams or any of the stakeholders. They're just sort of invisible people behind this one contact. Are you really getting onto the skin of the business? Do you know how they work, how they tick? I mean, we have a massive kickoff checklist of 150 sort of questions that we try and ask in the first couple of weeks of the client and try and get answers to because we realize if we don't understand those, then all the soft skills that we apply to it are, are, are based on the wrong foundation. So expend, using your CRO skills to understand the client yeah. <laughs> is just as important as the visitors to the website. And, and you have the skills there to figure that one out too, if you're doing the job. So empathy is the word I would use, not only for the users on the website, but for the people that you're dealing on the other side of the, 
yeah. the wall as well. Yeah. I think uh, I think my three point plan is shut the fuck up, uh, <laughs> ask really good questions, listen, repeat. Right, that's it. Um, and I remember there used to be a TV series in the UK where they had this guy who was a business troubleshooter, and he would go in and just ask people loads of annoying questions about the business and the stock and the lead times and cash flow and everything else. But at the end of it, you, you would be able to work out you've got a problem here. You're carrying too much stock. If you cut it by this and, and get this warehouse here, then you'll take, uh, you know, uh, you'll get an extra million pounds of revenue uh, every year, right? And I always used to love those kind of programs because it's, it's questioning and listening that gets under the skin and gets you the information that you need to then figure out what it is you're optimizing. It's a business you're optimizing, not a website. So understand the business, not just the website. Yeah. Final question uh, for both of you, and I need a really short answer uh, because we're almost out of time. Uh, so who or what has taught you the, the most useful things in Zero? Oh, okay. Mine will be quick. So people, humans, um, any kind of human you can think of, because my view is that if you observe people using a product, um, you're going to know how they use it, what problems they've got with it, and, you know, how they react, interact with stuff in the real world. And it's only by observing people in their natural habitat, if you want to put it that way, that you can figure out how you need to solve their problem. Um, so for me, it is the, the users, the end user the at users. the end of the day. Yeah, they're, they're the biggest influence on me because it never surprises me. In fact, I'm always surprised on a daily basis about how the general population use something or interact with something and it always raises an eyebrow because I learn something new every day and I think yeah. how on earth did they even think about using that in that way <laughs> and that, that happens that a lot, has, yeah. yeah and it's, yeah. Mass, it's massively affected my approach to what I do with regard to QA and it's why I'm quite good at it because their mindset is now instilled on my mindset. So that's yeah. why I generally get a really high hit rate on, you know, failing so, A-B tests and things because I'm thinking like, you know, standard user rather than CRO person. So It's an ego thing. If you do, yeah. if you do enough experimentation, my thing that I learned was 18 months moderating user tests in the lab, often of my own stuff. I used to get angry, you know, like they were being critical of my work. <laughs> um, and once I got over that, I realized it's not about me, right? It's about the user interface and them, right? I'm there as an observer. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with what I designed. And that realization eventually is you cannot be a perfect designer. Uh, such a thing doesn't exist. There are only users you're designing and validating that it works. And then you try and plug that gap. Took me 18 months to learn it, but it's a really important lesson. It's not about you or your personal feelings or your colleagues' opinions or what your boss thinks. It's about the users and the product and the behavioral change. And that is all. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions left for uh, for Greg or Abby, um, the, the Zoom chat will probably close if we end the session. Uh, but we can probably continue on uh, on Twitter. There's the hashtag DigitalElite20. And we have Abby uh, at WTF. Uh, uh, underscore ux or at optimize or die for craig uh craig has a free auditing checklist for google analytics coming out in two three weeks uh, in the works for the past five years uh gonna fix all our problems 
and we have, of course, uh, we have an upcoming uh, Zero Cafe podcast session with uh, Abby. Uh, we're still discussing the topic, but it might be something uh, inspired by the Netflix uh, uh, series on uh, on how everyone's tracking everyone, uh, <laughs> or maybe some top reasons for QA fails. We see, we'll see what happens. Um, Either or, maybe we yeah. do two. Maybe we do two <laughs> or three. Uh, and if you want to uh, not want to miss those, zero.cafe slash subscribe. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining, Abby. Thanks, uh, Craig. And I no uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, see you Goodbye, everyone. Time. Great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.